she goes, you're in the relapse state of mind. So you may not be using drugs at that moment. You may be sober, but your mind is in a dark place. So that's like showing in your behavior. This is the Knocking Doors Down podcast. From adversity to success, from addiction to recovery, from mental health struggles to prosperity, we explore it all. Of course, your host, Jason Lachance here. A nice bonus episode for you guys. Going to be doing more of these frequently of revisiting some uh, past guests, how their progress is going. And my man, Josh Detente, on with me today. Not only are we going to unveil because people just heard a little snippet there for the intro. Josh wrote that song, so the bonus episodes gets its own version of Knocking Doors Down. Kind of a challenge I threw at you, and we're going to talk more about that later. But uh, I want to check in with you, man. How you doing? What's uh, what's good with life? I'm good. So I did have a relapse. Uh, I, had a, I had a minor relapse, yeah. That's and all right. uh, it wasn't minor, actually. It was pretty, it, was, it wasn't long. It wasn't mm. long, mm. but it was enough of a relapse that it like scared me. And mm. I was like, what am I doing? You know, I immediately uh, freaked out and uh, uh, just, yeah. I mean, uh, do you still have me on your screen, by the way? Yeah, I see you, brother. Okay, cool. I, <laughs> I had somebody trying to get a hold of me through uh, another thing. And anyway, sorry. That's <laughs> all right. Technology. Right. But, um, yeah, it was uh, it was it was short lived. Thankfully, fortunately, I like thought about it. Just like I, I was, I had a moment where it was like usually I wouldn't have thought about it. I would have just kept going. My relapses tend to last a little a little while, but this one wasn't very long. I had a couple things happen, and I was just like, "What the f- am I doing?" Like all this work over a year of sobriety, and I just blew it. Like for this, you know what I mean? Like. Yeah. Yeah. And and it was it was scary. It was like uh I I flatlined for 40 seconds because it had been so long I overdosed and uh yeah. So yeah, I'm picking up the pieces and uh I mean I haven't really told anybody. Very few people know. Uh yeah. Amanda actually knew uh because she got involved. She she intervened in a way mm-hmm. like she was uh she set me straight as a matter of fact. She she basically told me if you relapse again, that is it. There's no more working relationship. Now she did say, um, I will always love you uh and always be your friend. Like I'll always be supportive sure. of you as a person, but you have a lot writing on this. Like our working relationship will cease to exist if you relapse again because I can't I just can't have that in my life. Yeah. And so that was like a giant eye opener. Because no one's ever told me that before, you know what I mean? I've always been enabled. But Amanda, I think, is such a strong... She's so strong mentally with her boundaries, you know what I mean? Because in the past, she's had boundary issues. So that, you know, so now, like, it's different for her where she's she was just like, yeah, boundary, no no relapses <laughs> or else you don't, you don't work with me. Like, yeah. And so, uh-huh. and that... That alone, plus my family and my children was enough for me to be like, yeah, this is silly. Like, I don't need to be doing this. I don't know why I did it in the first place. Experiment gone completely awry. Uh, well, and I was in, 
I'm going to challenge you. Hold on. Give me a sec. A, a we're talking about Amanda Cassie Cryer, a uh, former guest. She was the last two episodes of, of last year. Okay. You're taking it from a guy that if I probably counted, I've got maybe five relapses, you know, which granted people go, oh, it's alcohol. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not, it's not fentanyl. Okay. Um, so yes, I had that and, you know, it being more social, whatever I, I would just challenge you not to look at it as any kind of uh, failing. It sounds like you're learning from it. Does relapse have to be a part of recovery? No. I know many people went, got help, whatever it was, never went back. I'm not one of them. And it's okay because you are learning some things. And I think that setting of a boundary, you know, as far as what the accessibility of someone like an Amanda would would allow to you, um, is such a good thing. And I don't know about obviously with your wife and your family and all the, the concerns there too. I don't want to dig too deep, but these are all really good things. Like it's good. You're here for one. Thank God. Okay. Cause I didn't want that call. All right. I had a feeling our text messages, the language was a little different and I was like, oh shit. Okay. Well, he'll let me know if he wants to let me know. Um, because you know, I'm here for you to the best of my ability. So so I, I think this is a really good time to continually challenge yourself. What was it there? You know, I had to look at for me, what were those trigger points? What were the things the the people pleasing? Oh, yeah. You know, I love to be loved. I don't want people being like, oh, I don't want to be in your life. It was all the bullshit, man, that, that in the grand scheme doesn't matter. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, I know. I absolutely know what it was. It was the holidays. Mm. My brother's birthday is over the holiday. Uh, he's not with us anymore, as we discussed in the last podcast. Uh, so that was a trigger. We were supposed to spread my brother's ash ashes in Los Angeles. That didn't happen. And then I was with my mother, and my mother is a major, major trigger for me. We do not mm -hmm. get along. We do not see eye to eye. We have very different opinions and ways of looking at everything, life as a whole. Um, and so when I'm around my mom for too long in close quarters, like I get very, very upset. I get uptight. I get frustrated. I start getting anxious. I start getting angry and restless, irritable, and discontent. <laughs> now, I have to, I have to uh, say here, it's not my mother's fault. By no means am I blaming my mom. My mother is not responsible for my relapse. I am. I hold myself accountable. I hold myself personally responsible. But. There's just certain things, people, places, and things I cannot be around for too long. Otherwise, I start to get squirrely, and I start to get in my head, and I start to, you know. Yeah. And so, unfortunately, I won't be taking any vacations with my mother anytime soon. You know? <laughs> and uh, I did an interview while I was in L.A., and the funny thing is, during the interview, I was completely sober. Now, I was using while I was in Los Angeles, but for that interview, I was sober. But I, I don't know, like I was very, I was as I normally am in the interview and uh, I was fidgeting and I kept moving around and I kept, you know, and I, I always do that. But like the, the funny thing about it is, is like, I'm sober in the interview and I watch it now though. And Amanda goes, but you're not though, because you're in a relapse state of mind. That's what's mm. manifesting there. I watch and I go, I really do look like I'm, on drugs here and i and she's she's she she nailed it like hammer on the nail she goes you're in the relapse state of mind so you may not be using drugs at that moment you may be sober but your mind is in a dark place so that's like showing 
in your behavior and stuff like that. And yeah, I just, I don't know. It's, it's fascinating to see now because that interview was supposed to be different. It was supposed to, I mean, I did what I wanted to do there. I told my life story and, and it was yeah. great, but I saw but, it. Uh, oh, good, good. But, um, I was in a dark place mentally, and I think that that it very much shows. And so, a lot of the comments were like, "He's definitely on something," and I'm like, "I'm not <laughs> on anything. I'm just in a weird headspace." But right. I guess you know. Yeah, I had seen somebody else that, that uh, another podcast that I produce. They recently guested on the podcast that I produce, and they did the same one you're talking about, which we're not going to mention the name because A, they don't need the support <laughs> and it does pretty well. And B, if you want to hear Josh's story, click the link in the description because it's the full episode with Josh and I digging into that. Um, but but she wasn't completely clean and sober either at that time. She was but telling her story and and I guess I kind of picked up on it. I guess I've been around it enough, but you know, it's kind of like I had a feeling, my brother, but I didn't want to invade because it's just me. You know, some people feel that, oh, they should. I'm just not that guy. Like, you're going to yes. come to me if you choose to come to me. And I'm I'm very appreciative that you trust me in this forum to do it and share with other people. Because your first episode did get a very related response that, that people really resonated with them. So I'm honored you would trust me and the listeners to to. Uh, share this in but yeah this is the first place i'm sharing this information with uh nobody else really knew except for amanda and my my wife and you know my family but uh this is the first public platform i decided to discuss it and uh i'm happy about it you know i'm glad because um in it needs to be discussed relapses are i think i think you hit on something really great they're not failures they're they give you the chance to look at your life and see what you have, what you had, what you could have, the whole thing. Like I could look at it as I blew a year of sobriety or I could look at it as I had a whole year of sobriety and now I get to start over. You know what I mean? Like there's, yeah. there's several different ways to look at it. I fully agree. And, and as much as like, you know, I just celebrated three years of continual sobriety, my longest amount, I, a year was your longest amount, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, okay, cool. I can, it, it, to me, it showed me, wow, I, I did almost two years. I can do two years and I got it. And then, then, then in that, that, that second full year leading up to two was, it's been a gnarly year, but in a really good way, because that craving is gone. As a matter of fact, like even just thinking about booze or drugs or my my shitty behavior makes me nauseous like really quick so you know i this is an opportunity and 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 i think you're right and the more we talk about it we can you know i think we're destigmatizing addiction as a whole but we need to continue that with the with with those that do relapse we need to make sure that if hey they were a 12 step person we welcome them right back in the room like hey just glad you're back let's keep it going and that's really all this is it's like Let's keep it going. We're not here to compare anything. I mean, I got a, a friend of mine that's almost 40 years sober, got clean at 19. Like, yeah. I'm not competing against anyone. It, it, it's me against myself because, hey, I'm, I'm the one at the end of the day, every day, one day at a time. Yeah. 
Well, detente, uh, detente, the original meaning, like one of the meanings is to be at peace at, with someone you were long at war with, mm. like for a society or a, a, a group of people to be at peace with someone else they were long at war with. The way I see it, I'm, I've constantly been at war with myself. And in these last few years, I found peace with myself a little bit more so than perhaps before. Mm-hmm. So that's what that name means. And yeah, like, it's like you said, it's, it's, I'm, I'm at this with me. I have to be comfortable with me. I have to be comfortable wherever I go. Cause I go everywhere with me. And uh, yeah, I mean, when people have years and years of sobriety, it's great, but I don't really think about that. I think about like, if I wake up today and I'm sober, when I go to sleep, then I did it. That's, and that's all I need to do. That's my expectation. As soon as I wake up, one of the first things I do in my head is I say a gratitude prayer. And I'm like, thank you for letting me wake up today. And uh, please, if if I if I can ask for anything, it's just help me be sober till tonight, until tonight. So I've got like, you know, 12 hours. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I stay awake for about 12 hours a day, 14 hours a day, something like that. Um uh, Something like that. 18. I don't, I don't know. 18, <laughs> Maybe. Is, it 18? Yeah. is it 18? Well, whatever it's 24 it hours. If you sleep eight hours, it's like eight, 16, whatever it See, is. I, I sleep don't about know. 10 hours. Do you? It's what it, Yeah, I sleep 10. But I go to bed at like nine o'clock and I wake up at, uh, well, it just, I wake up at like seven. So, so yeah, I sleep about 10 hours. And um, anyway, regardless, once <laughs> I hit the bed, if I'm sober, that then I have hit a milestone. And, uh, you know, the whole year I was sober, I was sober over a year, but the whole year, it was just that it was just like, I need to bury myself in music, I need to set goals, I need to be distracted. And I need to wake up and tell myself that I need to be sober until tonight. Not for a year, not for a month, not for a week, not for a day, just till tonight. That's it. You know, and it makes it easier. Yeah. How, let me ask, you know, you bring up, because I had some struggles with my dad, obviously, as you know, becoming I from saw the homo- episode with, with, him, with him, by the way. Oh, thank you. I appreciate you checking it out. I love my dad. I adore him. He's a beautiful person. And now knowing him even more in, in that kind of vulnerability, but, but it took a lot of time. It took some time to unravel some of that stuff and get comfortable, you know, because there were, there were times of hanging out with my dad and prior to me getting sober and it wasn't that I got shit housed in his presence, but I was like, I kind of need a, you know, a, what I told myself falsely, uh, you know, ah, I need a drink to kind of chill out here a little bit with this, you know? Um, and it was just that inability to, to confront some things. And so knocking doors down by Carlos Vieira now available wherever you get audiobooks. I wasn't done partying and I didn't want the binge to end. I think I knew that when I finally got home, I'd have to face what I had done, and I wasn't ready to do that. Being responsible for my actions wasn't something I was looking forward to. I had abandoned my wife and baby, my family, and my business. I wanted to avoid the shame of returning to what I had left behind. Even though I was not yet going home, I wasn't sure I had enough resources to continue the binge. Click the link in the podcast description to find out more. Like, is your mom, do you think, in a place to have some of these conversations? Or even if there was a mediator? No. No. My mom's an alcoholic. Um, 
she's a holy roller. She's a Jesus freak. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, whatever your thing is, is your thing. But in my personal opinion, and this is my opinion, um, my mom is a little bit of a hypocrite because she just doesn't know any better. Mm. Um, and she doesn't take accountability or responsibility for her actions. Mm. Um, she'll tell you she did the best she could when I was a kid, but I would tell you she didn't do the best she could. She did what she wanted to do. And I understand that I did what I wanted to do too. And I lost my kid as a consequence of doing what I wanted to do. The main difference between my mother and I is our drug of choice was different Mm. and I didn't get caught or excuse me. She didn't get caught for the stuff she was doing i did which is why i basically lost custody of my son you know what i mean that's that's how i see it um now if you asked her she wouldn't say that you asked my brother he'd agree with me if he were still here i guarantee that you asked some of my friends they would they would agree with me but my mom is just she's a very strong personality but she's clouded i think in mm. her thinking um and uh, we've tried, we've, we've tried, but my mom just refuses responsibility. And I have a, I have a major, major problem with that. I see my part in things. I see how I screw up and how I've screwed up. Not always. Sometimes I'm a little arrogant, but for the <laughs> most part, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to accept responsibility for, for my behavior. You know what I mean? And right. I can look at something and go, yeah, I up. That was me. That was on me. I did this, but it's just not my mom, you know? Yeah. But, and I understand what you mean. Cause uh, Hey, I'm, I'm a Christian, but I, but I do encounter people that sit and hide behind whatever their, you know, religion is as if it coats or protects them, that that's what they state. And, and, you know, my personal perspective is, um, if you are a person of, I'm a person of faith, I don't, you know, consider it organized religion, so to speak, but I'm the same. You better you better be someone that you are a practitioner of, and it's not just a veil of protection for you. You know what I'm saying? Like for yeah. me, it strengthens my vulnerability. It's not a coat of armor in the way of like, you know, piety, like, haha, see how good I am, <laughs> you know? And I'm not saying yeah. that that's necessarily your mom. I've never met her. I don't know, but I'm just saying I've seen it. It can be very frustrating. Um, you know, I've, I've encountered people that I've just stopped going to certain, you know, group meetings because there is that piety and yet they're maybe 20 years sober, but they're still white knuckling it. Like nothing's changed about their yeah. life other than the fact they don't drink or use. Like, I don't yeah, want well, that. I don't want that life. Like I, I got clean to have them and build a life and change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and, and I'll give you an example. My mom, when I relapsed in uh, Los Angeles, my mom drank. She got face drunk for a couple of days. Mm. And I mean, she's that's I get it. She was probably struggling because she was watching me and didn't know what to do. But like. I just can't explain it. It's like. You know, she apologized, too, for drinking, but like it just it, it seems so disingenuous. Sure. And like. Yeah, I just, you know, I went to Los Angeles with my wife like a year and a half ago, and it was great. It was sunshine and rainbows. I had no cravings whatsoever. I was doing good. This was before another relapse I had. Um, and it was wonderful. But I went with my mom, 
And it's like, as soon as the plane touched down at LAX, I just started building resentments and premeditating a relapse because I just was so angry. My anger, my, my bitterness and my frustration was building. And, and I, you know, it, it's not, again, I take full responsibility. It was my fault. I should have, I shouldn't have even gone on the trip, you know, honestly, like I should have, I think somewhere deep down subconsciously, I kind of knew it was a bad idea because the last time I went to LA with my mom, it was the same thing, same exact thing. I relapsed. Uh, I was upset. You know, I just, unfortunately my mom and I don't have the, we don't have a strong enough relationship where I feel comfortable around her for long periods of time. Um, and that's just a boundary I'm going to have to set. Like if she asked me to go on a trip again, I'm going to be like, no, I have to say no, you know, I can't do it. I'm sorry. Well, it's not good for me. And it's, and you need to know that, like what, you know, like when I've talked with, with people, you know, boundaries, good word. I, I like to use accessibility, like what, what part and place are, you know, can you allow people within your life? Maybe it's if your mom's in town and it's like, oh, I want to see my grandkids. Okay, but you got to show up, you know, can't reek of alcohol, can't be drunk, you know, g- give me some clean thing, a little bit of time, you give space, does the visit, whatever it is. I, you know, I don't know. Um, but, but I've had to make that. There's some people that the accessibility is the only conversation you're getting out of me is, ah, oh, what do you think of the weather? Whereas very few select people pretty much get almost everything, you know? And, and I, so it's just, for me, that's just how I've looked at it is, is, you know, when I, for me, when I think like boundary, it's like someone's out altogether. Um, yeah. so I don't know. It's tough, man. It's tough. I, you know, I mean, I wasn't in my addiction when my dad finally got sober. So I'm not, I know what it's like having a parent that's an addict, but I can't stand in your shoes in any way. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I mean, I don't, I don't know what it's like for my mom. You know, I'm as, as, as bitter as I am, I don't know what's going on with her. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't know what her struggles are. I don't know what her stressors are. I don't know what her triggers are. I don't know why she's an alcoholic. Um, I mean, my grandfather was an alcoholic. He quit cold turkey and white knuckled it for like 50 years, but he was miserable. Like he had no program in his life. I'm telling you, that man was tired and miserable all the time. Right. Um, and I think it's because he had no program and no, the only reason he got sober was because my grandmother gave him an ultimatum. She was like, if you don't quit drinking, I walk. And so that was, that was his thing. But that's no reason. I mean, that's not him getting sober for himself, is it? I mean, it's him getting sober because his wife asked him to. I think sobriety has to come from, you know, in here. It has to be something. But, and I don't know what's going on with my mom. I'm sure it's very stressful. She has custody of my child now. Um, Mm. He's autistic. He's got type 1 diabetes. He's very, very manic lately. He's, He's having these, like, psychotic episodes where he's getting violent um you know she lost her youngest son there's a lot going on with her but we we just don't get along and we don't understand each other and that's that's just that you know and i don't i when she says stuff like god will will deliver me from my alcohol addiction i'm like god's not just gonna do it because 
you're praying for it. You have to do the work. You have to work at it. You can't just pray the disease away. That doesn't work. I don't think. You know what I mean? You have to you have to use the tools God gives you to practice some form of, you know, recovery. That's what it is. You can't just go to church on Sunday and say, forgive me of my sins and uh, help me. And, and then it just goes away. I, I, you know, like, and that's how she thinks. Yeah. And uh, it's just a major problem for me, unfortunately. I believe in God, you know. Yeah. Um, and and uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with her being, a you know, quote unquote devout Christian. I just have a problem with how she practices her Christianity. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's, it's not the way yeah. I practice it. I use tools that God has given us and I use, um, I use a program of recovery and I use, it's, it's still the same as it was. It's a little bit of my own thing with the 12 step thing. And actually I recently got a sponsor, uh, at, uh, the request of, uh, Amanda, she was like, I think you need to get back into AANA. And so I got a sponsor and I'm practicing that. And I, I did my resentments first. I told my sponsor what happened. He was like, okay, let's work on the resentments first. So that was really cool. Um, my mom and myself were at the top of the list. Uh, and so that was, that was interesting. Um, I think I have more resentments on myself than I do anybody else or anything else. Oh yeah. So we're working sure. through that right now. Sure. But, um, yeah, you know, just, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, just dig in, you know, dig in just as hard as you, you did with, I mean, you know, your story again, people click the link in the podcast description to hear the full conversation with Josh. And, um, I mean, us addicts, man, we're some determined SOBs to get our fix and everything else. And so it's just, it's the same kind of determination, just in a different place. And, you know, yeah. it, it's, it's like, it, it just, it's one foot in front of the other and you keep doing the next right thing and odd stuff starts to happen in a really good way that you couldn't plan out, plot out, pray for or anything else. It just kind of unfolds the universe starts to unfold in that way. And I think that's when the alignment with, you know, like I, yesterday, gentlemen, I've got so many different things coming at me. And I just, you know, he's like, what can I do for you? And I was like, Craig, you know, just, just pray for me. I'm trying to check if these things are, are ego or God's will and what he wants for me in being of service, you know? And yeah. time will tell. Time will tell. It, it'll let me know some of this stuff will either backfire or roll into something and, and, you know, I'll roll with the punches either way. That's just how it goes, man. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So can I ask, yeah, what did you, what did you think of the song? The song's dope. So for yeah. uh, uh, people who heard the little snippet there at the beginning, when Josh and I first met, I challenged him, you know, you're doing, you know, so much different music you've written over the years, bands working, you know, musical scores, all this different stuff. And I was like, hey, write me a rock version of Knocking Doors Down. And, um, you know, before we play it, I want I want like, what place did you go to? You know, you're a 
for all intents and purposes, as a, as in getting to know you, you're a storyteller with your songwriting. There's not any non sequiturs, no insult to Nirvana, but like Smells Like Teen Spirit is a bunch of lyrics that sound really good together. And it's a phenomenal song. But at the end of the day, if you're looking, what did he mean lyrically? It wasn't a tremendous amount. It was like, yeah, that sounds good together. Okay. Yeah. So the story... Uh- I took inspiration from like the black keys and the white stripes and Jack white. I wanted to do like a stripped down garage rock song. I didn't want to do like a hard alternative rock song because I think that would just be too easy. But also a lot of that garage rock stuff is rooted in the blues. And I just thought of this guy who in the 1930s and forties, they had these blues players from the Mississippi Delta and they would do what was called hoboing. And they would hitchhike around and they would just play what what we know as venues but are called juke joints. So they would play these juke joints and they would sometimes play for whiskey or drugs and or like five cents. And, you know, they'd use the five cents to to purchase the love of a woman, shall we say. <laughs> and and um, a lot of them committed crime. They were they were criminals. They yeah. they were like gangsters of their time. You know what I mean? Um they openly, you know, they would get into bar fights. They would stab each other. They would kill each other. They would shoot each other. So this is the story of a guy who's maybe in the 1930s or 40s, just traveling around and every now and again might break into somebody's house to steal stuff so that he can continue on his journey to, to play and just do what he's doing. And so I can't remember the lyrics. It's like, there's a man broken blue lost his heart his soul and his lover too uh is a man free to choose or is he destined to lose like you um so it's yeah it's about a guy who's struggling with addiction too you know and those guys did have did have addiction problems at that time as well heroin's been around for a very very long time um so yeah it's it is a story it's not a real story, but there are some elements there. I just figured knocking doors down. This guy's literally knocking doors down. <laughs> well, the irony of that is, you know, in Carlos's book, uh, uh, you know, and as I recollect the reading, and if he, you know, goes, that's not exactly how it happened, but, you know, he was high. The the rap song, Pimp C's, came on, and it sounded like good to him. And so here he is high off his ass, knocking on doors, like, you know, next one to next one. And that's when he got his, you know, labeled a 5150. That's the, the you know, the clothing brand where the, the, the name of that comes from. So it's that it's that interesting irony and the blues, the history of blues in America. I mean, it's so fascinating, like, you know, like you're saying Delta blues, Chicago, Texas, you know, all these different areas. And, and, you know, I think most people know the story of the crossroads, right. You know, making the deal. Robert with, Johnson. Yeah. Robert Johnson making the deal with the devil. To be such he recorded, a he recorded his sessions in San Antonio, Texas. I didn't right know that. By my house. Yeah, it was at the Gunther Hotel in room 636, I believe. I didn't know yeah. that. His only you. recorded songs were in San Antonio. And Robert Johnson was poisoned, supposedly, or murdered by a jealous lover of of uh, a jealous lover's husband huh. or something like that. You know what I mean? Like those guys were wild. They were they were wild. They were gangsters. They were they were they were doing some shit. <laughs> you know, and it's funny when people talk like, oh, society's going to hell. 
In some ways, yes, but in a lot of ways, it's vastly improved. Yeah. Well, we were watching the movie Tombstone last night, my wife and I, oh, and yes. I go, can you imagine a time where if you challenged to somebody to go shoot you in the street, they had to accept, but you could do that? Like you could just literally gun someone down in the middle of the street and there was nothing the law could do about it. Yeah. Like you challenge someone to a duel, that's it. They they accept it and you go out into the street and just shoot until someone's dead. <laughs> like we, we have improved. Yeah. <laughs> you can't do that anymore. The the only place I can think that it's similar is like hockey. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, all right, let's get into yeah. a brawl. But once you hit the ice, oh, it's over. You know, there's something to break it up. But it's uh yeah, it's it's crazy. I couldn't imagine uh going back to that. Oh man. Well, before we drop the song for anyone, uh, anything else you want to add? No, just uh everybody keep on keeping on and you know, one day at a time. If you can be anybody struggling, if you can be sober from the time you wake up to the time you go to sleep, then you have literally uh, completed a milestone. Yeah. And it doesn't matter how long it's been. You know, it could be a year, could be two years, could be five, could be 10. For me, it is a struggle every single day. You know, as happy as I am and as fulfilled as I can be sometimes, it's still a struggle. I still think about it all the time. I yeah. obsess over it. So... It's a challenge, but it's uh, it keeps me on my toes. <laughs> well, and I guarantee you that you, you keep doing it, Josh. It's going to change. Just takes time with that, too. Just takes time. Yeah. It's all right. You know, hey, uh, uh, like I've told told someone last week that they were struggling, too. And, and I went, hey, you've already overcome all your greatest challenges. You survived them all. You're still here. You're still here, yeah. you know? And then I threw on them, you know, no outside solutions to inside problems. And they're like, what does that mean? I'm like, figure it out for you. <laughs> like, you dick. Uh, well, man, it, 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 it's really brilliant. And I, and I hope that, you know, more opportunity. And, and I know the more that you work your recovery, you're going to have so much more. You have so much talent, like, again it's the weird stuff about becoming connected to people you know I, i'm i'm a firm believer you and i met for a reason it could be just this and we're offering to somebody else that hears this episode or hears the song that we're about to play and then they're going to hear it every time there's a bonus episode and you know who knows man but it's um yeah life is a trip i don't know where i was going with that i think i'm just saying i'm glad that i've met you and that I know you. I'm glad I met you too. Well, good. <laughs> if you're going, you're, <laughs> ah, this is the last time you're a dick. All right, man. Hey, you introduced a song. Like, you know, what key did you write this in? Did you have a co-writer? What was the production process? I like yes. to know that stuff. So it's written in the key of A, I believe. Yeah, I think it's A. <laughs> All right. I don't remember. I often write songs and I forget like what I wrote, you know, because I just play them until they're recorded and then that's it. But I did have a co-writer. His name is Kenny Lane Schwartz. Check him out. He's under Red Fox Recording uh, Studio on Instagram. And you can find him on my, uh, you know, under my platform. He, he likes a lot of the stuff because I'm always writing with him. Um, great songwriter. He's in a um, he's in the singer of 311's side project it's called Los Delarians mm. um so he plays with 311 a lot and 
he's a really great drummer, songwriter, piano player, bass player, just all around great guy. Uh, we wrote it in A, now that I can remember it, it is in A. We The story, I, I mentioned and explained what the story was. Uh, I took influence from Jack White on the guitar solo and, uh, yeah, then some Black Keys elements on the vocals, and that's about all I can say. It's uh-huh. me singing and playing guitar, and uh, Kenny's playing the organ and the bass and the drums. Right on. Well, yeah, send me Kenny's link. I'll make sure to put that in there so people can check him out too. But uh, thanks for doing this, man. I it's uh, I I don't know why. Just something in my head went. Throw this challenge out to Josh. See see what can happen. So here it is, guys. This is uh, uh, Josh's version. His hip not version. This is knocking doors down through his words his musical expression along with kenny every time there's a bonus episode you're going to be hearing this tune uh with the intro and the outro so uh man i'm really i'm really honored that uh like our friendship you're going to be a part of this thing now forever it's out there in the atmosphere it's in the ethos so uh the honor was mine yeah it's pretty cool all right guys uh here you go check it out 